Hey guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and today's episode is one I am truly so, so excited about. We are chatting with the founder of one of my absolute favorite products and brands, Evergreen. Evergreen sells such delicious frozen waffles that are pretty much a parent's dream, and my personal dream, because you guys know I love waffles. Not only are they absolutely addicting and so delicious, but they are made with such simple ingredients that you use in your own house when you'd be making waffles from scratch, which is what I love about them. They use whole wheat flour, they're steamed with honey, and they even sneak in zucchini and carrots in one of the flavors. And their matcha chocolate chip flavor uses cacao nibs instead of chocolate chips to minimize the sugar and added ingredients, which is so freaking cool. Evergreen gets totally gets it ingredient-wise. They have been such a hit in our home, and I love how many of you guys have also been enjoying them with your families, and I love being able to share them over with you guys over on Instagram and my blog. Don't forget, I have that peach jam that we've been putting on top, which is to die for. I love that this interview with Emily really highlights the beginning phases of starting your own CPG brand. You guys know I love bringing on various founders and CEOs from brands that I love, and this episode is extra special, but Emily just recently launched this brand. She's in that like infancy stage of starting her own company. And in this episode, Emily shares all the trials and tribulations that have come with starting her own company. She also recently left her full-time job as a super successful lawyer to pursue Evergreen full-time and really grow her brand. She shares what it's been like launching a brand in a pandemic, what it was like getting into Whole Foods in her first store there, funding her company, and what the future has in store for Evergreen. This is such an amazing episode to listen to. It really highlights the beginning stages of starting a business, the challenges of being a mom while growing her brand, and Emily also shares her vulnerabilities starting Evergreen and what her real motivation is behind her waffles. I know you guys are going to love this episode as much as I do, and I cannot wait to hear what you think. Please do share it over on Instagram if you enjoy our conversation and tag myself and Evergreen at Eat Evergreen over on Instagram. This episode is packed with so much good stuff. And if you do enjoy this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could take a moment to rate and review the podcast over on iTunes. And thank you guys so, so much for all of the love over each and every episode. You guys are absolutely amazing. I'm so excited to chat with you and bring you on the show. You know, I haven't brought a founder on yet that's truly in like the infancy stages of their company, which I feel like you're just in the thick of it right now, launching a product. And at this point, I've seen so many brands launch and it's been so exciting to watch all of their journeys. So I'm really looking forward to having you share your story and you know all the trials and tribulations that comes with starting your own brand. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, I'd love to start by having you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do. Sure. My name is Emily. I'm the founder of Evergreen. We are a brand new frozen waffle brand. We just launched in Whole Foods in the Midwest in March, which is a really interesting time to launch a brand, which I'm sure we will get into later. But I, until a few weeks ago, was actually a lawyer. I am a mom. I was a lawyer. And I launched this brand because I wanted a healthier, more nutritious, cleaner option for my now two-year-old daughter. Now, when did you start the brand itself? Like, I know you got into Whole Foods in March, which I do want to talk more about, like launching this really in the middle of a pandemic. But 
when did you start waffles? Like, how did that all come about? I don't know how far you want to go back, but um, as far as you want to tell me. <laughs> so I'll try to make it quick. I have always loved food, but if, if you told me like five years ago that I would have a food brand, I would have laughed in your face because that was not the trajectory that my life was going in at all. Um, but I was an athlete growing up. I was a competitive swimmer. I swam in college. And I think my love of food probably came from the fact that I was always starving. Because um, <laughs> when you're, you know, I was training anywhere from two to five hours a day. And so you're just always hungry. So I love, love food, but I never thought about what was actually in the food that I was eating. Like I was, I mean, I had Fruity Pebbles, I think every day for three years growing up. Like I was, I was not a healthy kid. Um, (laughs) And I didn't, I really didn't even start to think about it until I took a class in college called the psychology, philosophy, and politics of food. And I mean, as you can tell from the name, it spanned all sorts of topics, but talked about things like, you know, the rise in high fructose corn syrup, um, when the low fat fad happened in this country. And it was the first time I like looked at what I was eating and I looked at my low fat yogurt and that I was eating in the morning. I was like, this is basically dessert based on the amount of sugar that's packed in here. Now I didn't really do anything to change my diet at that point, but the seed was planted and I graduated from college. I ended up going to law school. I was convinced from an early age, which sounds so nerdy, but it's true that I wanted to be a corporate lawyer, do like mergers and acquisitions, um, advise corporate boards and corporate governance. And so I went to law school to do that, but they had a food law and policy clinic. And, you know, I thought back to my college course and how much I love that. And so I thought I would give it a try. And I ended up spending like the better part of a year studying through there and just really fell in love with it. You know, we did everything from food waste, like it's an horrible problem in this country to school meals um, and the quality of school meals in in this country. And I mean, I loved those classes. Like those are the classes that I got up in the morning, really excited to go to. Despite that, I graduated and I still trudged full steam ahead um, to pursue my career in corporate law. I came to Chicago. I joined a really big law firm. I was doing my M&A work that I was so excited about before, but I was still thinking about food a lot. Like when I wasn't in front of my computer, I was, you know, baking breads from scratch. I was curing my own salmon for, uh, which is actually really easy to do. And I highly recommend it. Um, I was, you know, I was making my own almond milk and a lot of this was coming up from the fact that through my studies, I had just learned how much extra stuff is in a lot of packaged foods. And I kind of grew to distrust a lot of the big food brands out there. And so I figured if I have the time, I'm going to do it myself. I, uh, also, uh, found myself watching a lot of food related television. And, um, one night I turned on uh, Netflix Chef's Table. I don't know if you've seen Chef's Table. Highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the episodes is about Olinia, which is a three Michelin star restaurant in Chicago. And I watched the episode and literally turned it off, was sitting on my couch, opened my laptop, found the co-founder's email address on LinkedIn, wrote him a cold email, and basically asked if he needed a lawyer. Because That's I was just, amazing. I was so inspired by this episode and their creativity and their passion. And 
their whole trademark is like always asking why things are done a certain way and why they they can't be done differently. And I just, I, it was so eye opening for me. And much to my surprise, he wrote right back and basically said, you know, we weren't looking for a lawyer, but I guess it makes sense at this point. And so I went in and talked to the co-founder and next thing I knew I was hired. So I moved from my big law firm in-house to um, the Alinea group, which is the restaurant group that Alinea is a part of. And then also Talk, which is a reservation software. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's it's in New York um, for sure and the tri-state area. But I worked there as their general counsel for three years. So I was the only lawyer and it was an amazing experience. I mean, for a lawyer who loves food, there's like nothing yeah, better than working in a restaurant group <laughs> yeah, that has a three Michelin star restaurant. Really? Um, and, but consistent with, with prior history, I was always trying to absorb everything I could about food and the food world. So one night I was driving home from work, listening to a f- surprise, surprise, a food podcast. And it was talking about the frozen breakfast industry and how big it is and how much of it is still controlled by that really large brand that we all know that I'm not going to name here. And I found myself thinking like, how can that be? Cause this brand isn't, isn't known for being nutritionally dense or clean label. It's one of those labels you turn around and you're like, I don't, I can't even pronounce that. Yeah. And at this point we were thinking about starting a family and we had siblings that had families and friends that have families. And I knew that you feed toddlers frozen waffles. I was like, you know, I'm not going to want to feed my daughter, future daughter, this brand. And I'm definitely not going to have time to make her frozen waffles, waffles every morning for breakfast. Sounds nice, but definitely. (laughs) Yeah. So what am I going to do? And I have to give credit to these companies that I was working for and the leadership that was always asking these questions. Why, how, what can we do better? I found myself thinking like, what could I do to change this? And I literally, I got home, got out of the car went upstairs, Amazon primed a mini waffle iron and it arrived the next day. And that weekend I started playing with the recipes. So this was late 2017. Okay. Just started to uh, percolate in my brain. And then I spent like the better part of a year tinkering with recipes. Bless my husband. He has had so many waffles (laughs) over (laughs) the last three years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, you know, meanwhile, pause, we had a baby mm-hmm. in summer of 2018. And I, once I got back from maternity leave towards the end of that year, you, as I'm sure you can attest to, like I had been working on this at night and on weekends when I was working a full-time job. And when you throw a baby into the mix, you don't have nights and weekends anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't even time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a good day if you shower. <laughs> um, so I got back to work and I, you know, within two months walked into my CEO's office and I was like, look, I'm going to be totally transparent with you. I want to start a frozen waffle company. Could barely say that with a straight face as like, a, you know, his lawyer. I want to start a frozen waffle company. I've been doing it on my free time, but I just don't have time to do that anymore. Can I drop down to part time? And I thought like 50% chance, he says, fine, 50% chance I get fired on the spot. Uh, And he said, fine. So this is beginning of 2019 at this point. And so I dropped down to part-time. I was three days a week as a lawyer, two days a week as a waffle maker. 
uh, starting in January 2019. Took a while to get up and producing. Like I had to have packages designed, had to, I tried to find a co-packer from the start, called a bunch of, literally Googled like waffle co-packer, called a bunch of places. They were all like, your product sounds great. Who are your customers? And I was like, oh, I don't have any customers. And they're like, great, call us when you do. <laughs> so quickly realized I was going to have to start making them myself in a shared commercial kitchen. So I had to find a shared commercial kitchen and get licensed to do all that. Finally, August, late August, 2019. So when this airs, will be like two days after my, the one year anniversary of the beginning of production of Evergreen. Oh, very exciting. Yeah. yeah. I made my first waffles in a shared commercial kitchen just about a year ago. And so, how did you know like where to start though? So you like wanted to make waffles, like, did you just Google like packaging for waffles? Like if I were to like take one of my recipes and, you know, package it up and sell it to someone, I wouldn't even know, I would know where to start in like some ways, but like, I wouldn't even know how to do like the little things. Like, did you hire a designer that like helps you with the branding or like, how did all that work for you? Um, so I had sat on a panel in my capacity as a food lawyer at North, it was a collaboration between Northwestern Law School and Kellogg, the business school. Okay. And so I was a panelist and one of the other panelists had a bar that she had made. And I found myself literally, I'm on the panel and I'm way more interested in what these other people are saying on the panel than what I was saying on the panel. <laughs> so uh, I got her contact information after the panel and I reached out to her shortly oh. after and was like, I have this idea for a company, would love to pick your brain if you'd give me like 30 minutes of your time. She was super generous. We got on the phone. She told me who she used for designers. Um, and I ended up using the same designers. But yeah, so I called them. And I mean, there are a lot of companies out, out there that design food packaging. So they can be real partners with you and understanding the regulations and, you know, all the details in that in that way. So they were awesome. I love what they did with our packaging. And that was also an area where I decided, you know, and thinking about how I wanted to allocate, I was bootstrapping this, how I wanted to allocate my limited funds. I decided like, I think, you know, I have one shot at this because I told myself and discussed with my husband, like, I want to give this a real go. And mm -hmm. if it doesn't get traction in the first year, then like, I'm just, I'm going to drop it. But like, I think I owe it to myself at this point and to us to, to try it. And so decided, you know, I've got one shot. I think it's really important to get your foot in the door at places to have really good packaging. So I decided that's where I was going to invest a lot of my money up front, okay. um, which is what I did. So packaging, it takes a while. I mean, that took like, you know, I said, I went, dropped down to part-time in January and I didn't start producing until August. And largely that was because we were working on fine-tuning the packaging. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every time I hear of a brand that's even doing like a rebrand, it's like a year long process. Oh so my gosh. I can only imagine. I mean, I've only rebranded like my site like a handful of times and even that's a lot. And that there's nowhere near, there's no regulations. There's nothing that I have to be, be aware of. Right. Now, I wanted to go back to something that you had said a few minutes ago, which was you called someone that you had met on a panel. So have you found that this space has been like very like helpful and encouraging? Like if you, meet someone. I know obviously there aren't really like trade show opportunities right now, but those were always like really big opportunities to like meet other companies. Like, especially I know there's a lot of the times I'll have friends that are launching like perishable brands. And they'll, they'll say like, do you know anyone else that sells a perishable brand? 
but has like no preservatives I can call. And like, I'm always trying to set people up and it's amazing how kind like 99% of these brands are that like, they will take the time and get on the phone with you. So have you really like utilized, like kind of getting to know other brands in the space and, and learning from them? Yeah. As much as I can in this environment, like you said, you know, it's so funny. Like I having launched in Whole Foods in March, I haven't done a single demo table in Whole Foods. So I've given no samples. I haven't attended a single trade show. Crazy. Crazy. But yes, you know, I've been super fortunate. And also a lot of these connections have come from like my lawyer world too. When I told people I was leaving, it's amazing how many people like raise their hand and they're like, oh, I know somebody you should talk with them. And so, you know, I talked one of the, actually one of the reasons that I decided to finally jump and go full-time on Evergreen at the beginning of this month is because I was talking with a founder. Again, I was set up through like a friend, a friend in the legal world, a founder of a very successful CBG brand. And I had a long phone call with him and before, right when we got on the phone, before we dove into the conversation, he said, look, I just want to say before we start, having a food brand is not sexy. And it's really hard work. Like it seems from the outside, like it would be really sexy and exciting, but, and it is, it is eventually those things, but it's really, really hard. And so if you're not willing to give it 150% of your time, like just do yourself a favor and don't even start. And I found myself sitting there thinking like, I'm giving it two sevenths of my time, like yeah. literally two days a week at best. And, and so I decided literally in that moment in my mind, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And so, I mean, those conversations, if you think about it, like literally the two conversations I listed both gave me my packaging designers and convinced me to go full time. And I'm having a call. I have a call set up for later this week with another founder of a small brand because I want to pick his brain about something. So yes. Amazing. And on the flip side too, whenever, like I'm obviously very new, but there are brands, I've had a number of brands reach out to me that are trying to get into Whole Foods, for example. Yeah. Like, it will always take that call because as you said, you just like, you got to pay it forward because I have been so fortunate to get such good advice from people who are a few steps ahead of me. A hundred percent. So actually let's go into Whole Foods a little bit. So what was that process like getting your waffles into Whole Foods? Like do you, did you, you know, in the past, I would say like half a decade or so, it was so different than, than it is now. So what was the process like for you? And was it a lot more challenging? Was it easier than you thought? Like share it with us. Yeah. So I'll, I'll step back just one step from that. I, so like I said, I started producing end of August of last year, 2019, basically like the day after I did my first production, I went to my, our favorite market from where we lived in the city, like a adorable little corner store that sells like, you know, great, better for you brands, like local produce, that kind of thing. And I walked into the store with two bags. Um, I literally had two duffel bags. One was full of waffles and one had a toaster, maple syrup, paper plates, and plastic utensils. And I walked in and I was like, hi, I make frozen waffles. Uh, I would love for you to try them. I think this would be a great fit. And they were like, sure, come on back. So I went back and literally like plugged in my toaster that I brought from my house, toasted up the waffles. They tried them and they were like, these are really good. Like we'll take them. Um, and that was my first sale. And then literally my second sale was Whole Foods. So I 
just, I apply, there's a process for applying as a local vendor, which means that like you are, I think the definition can vary, but essentially that like you're in a city as opposed to a region or a state as opposed to a region. I submitted my application, they ask you for, you know, certain information about the product, um, pricing, et cetera. Submitted my information, uh, dropped off samples at their corporate headquarters here and waited like a month and then got an email. I still remember opening the email. It was like opening a college admissions letter. (laughs) Uh, And I kept reading, waiting for like the, you know, we got a lot of great applicants and we regret to inform you that you're not one of them. (laughs) Um, And they were like, we love your waffles and we'd love to have them in our stores. And literally, and that was that. So within basically a month of starting to produce Evergreen, they uh, had been accepted into Whole Foods. That's amazing. Are you still in the shared kitchen or do you no. have a full packer now? No. Um, okay. I pretty much read that email, picked up the phone again, yeah, started calling co-packers again, and was pretty quickly able to find... Once you say, you know, I've been accepted into Whole Foods, yeah. it's a lot easier than saying, I have no customers. Yeah. So I found a co-packer that I've been working with since then. And uh, yeah, uh, it was... Working in a shared kitchen wasn't going to work to supply Whole Foods. I was say, I mean, the amount of product that they probably demand is just crazy for one person to be doing. Now, how many stores did they put you guys in at first? Like, what which Whole Foods are you in right now? We started in the twenty-eight Whole Foods in Illinois. Okay, um, and that's where we launched in uh, the beginning of March, and that was kind of the plan, but. Uh, sale, immediate sales were good enough that I, they gave me the green light pretty quickly. I think by the end of April to expand into the rest of the Midwest. So, um, you know, I've been expanding kind of store by store into the rest of the Midwest. So I'm in a couple of stores in Wisconsin, uh, a bunch of stores in Michigan, Indiana, Minnesota, and Missouri at this point. That's amazing. And during the pandemic, obviously the grocery stores, especially I feel like from like March through early May were like crazy. Like I was probably one of the only people who was like going frequently to the grocery store, which is not something I'm like bragging about. I just like have a hard time getting more than one thing at once. Right. But did you think, did sales do better than you anticipated or when this kind of happened, were you like, shit, like no one's going to buy the waffles so I'm not sampling them, but like, did they still sell really well or exceeded your expectations? Yes. I remember when I finally got access, it takes a while to get access to your like daily sales. So there was like a two week lag. And I remember signing in for the first time and my jaw just dropped. Like I couldn't believe that that many people had picked up my product off the shelf. And and honestly, it's still like a pinch me thing. I log in every morning to look at my sales and every day I'm like, it just blows my mind that there are that many people out there that just like walked into a Whole Foods and picked up my product off the shelf. Um, So it's very cool. I have no idea, you know, net net, whether it benefited me to launch at the beginning of the pandemic or hurt me. Because like you said, I, I mean, for small new brands, demo tables are like everything. And I haven't been able to do that. Also, so many more people are shopping online. And when you shop online, you're not exactly like scrolling through for new products. 
on the other hand, in the beginning of March, at least, there were a lot of people going into the stores and buying way more than they usually would. So I don't know where it ends up. Correct. Right. So I don't know where it ends up net net, but. No, but it's still amazing. Like what are the next steps from Whole Foods from here? So once you're, do they test you in the Midwest now? And then from there you can expand into other regions. Is that how it's working now? Um, you, I am applying to the other regions. Um, yeah, so so we'll see fingers crossed, but yeah, the, the hope is to kind of be able to get in region by region and also start thinking about other retailers as well. So definitely hoping to expand brick and mortar presence in the next year. As you know, I do e-commerce, so I ship on dry ice, which, um, is great to get product to people. It's also, you know, difficult and finicky, again, particularly during a pandemic, shipping has been a mess. As a lot of your community knows that, you know, has, has bought through you, uh, if there's ever a delay in shipping and like the dry ice has evaporated and they're warm, my policy has always been like, no questions asked. I will send another package the next week. Nice of you. I mean, I want people to experience, first of all, I want to treat people the way that I would want to be treated as a customer. Second of all, I want people to experience the product. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of my favorite things about owning my own business is that like I can set those policies. You know, it might not be the best for me economically, but at least in the short term. But um, like, it's really important to me that, that I set the tone and the culture of the company in a way that I feel proud about. So yeah, so e-commerce is up and running, but it's, um, it, I would be very happy to be in brick and mortars around the country. No, I mean, it's definitely the most cost effective for a perishable item like yourselves. And I'm sure that a lot of your target, most of your target consumer are probably moms and dads like shopping for their kids. Right. So I'm sure it's also like all these other moms emailing you with like product things, which you empathize so well that like, I understand like you just want to feed, feed your child this food, like you'll do do whatever you can. What has been the hardest part of launching your business thus far? Like the most challenging? Probably getting production up and running. I, like I said, I was really lucky to, to get into Whole Foods right away. So like the sales so far, knock on wood, have come fairly easily thus far. You know, the flip side of that is that I had to figure out production really quickly. Yeah. Um, I am somewhat of a control freak. So I still go to every production run, um, not for the whole time, but I like show up every time and they usually start at four or five in the morning, which means I'm getting up really early. And then I go back in the middle of the day, in the middle of the shift, when the shift changes over to like greet the new team that's coming in and make sure everybody's oriented. So that's very tiring. The point of a co-packer is that you don't do that. <laughs> no, but a lot of people do. Like I, is the co-packer far from your home or? They're a local. So it's, I mean, it's a bit of a drive, but they're in the Chicagoland area. Because when I, before I was running my business, I was working at a CPG brand and someone had to go to every single tasting. Ah. So we used to drive like an hour and 15 minutes and it was like, in the middle of the night, like or in the middle of the work day, like, I mean, no matter what it is, it's never convenient because you're yeah. there for like 30 to 45 minutes and you're driving an hour, 15 minutes each way. But it was like so important to taste it, to make sure that like everything was on point. Like those are like the little things that 
people don't realize like every at least for i would say quality brands like every single one of those like production lines it, it, it's tasted before it's packaged and put into a bag most of the time to help prevent any issues from happening but yeah. that's just like wild and like so time consuming especially with your parent in the middle of the night have you hired anyone yet to help you with your team or is it just you doing everything right now? It's just me doing everything right now. <laughs> Where, do <you> think <laughs> like <you>. Where do you think your first hire will be? Oh, I think I literally daydream about this all day, every day. <laughs> um, there are three candidates in my mind. Okay. One, someone who's just like an operational wizard. Who, like I said, that's the hardest part for me, just in terms of time. And it would be awesome to have somebody who's super experienced in a like high quality food brand who I could basically tell what I care about to, and then they could manage that process. Yeah. That would be amazing. Two, um, like a CFO type. I mean, cause I'm like, I'm running the books still, which, um, I'm fortunate. I had, before I went to law school, I worked for three years in economic consulting. So I'm fairly comfortable in Excel and with numbers, yeah. um, but it would still be great to have somebody to manage that whole process. And then three would be on the marketing side because I mean, I do our Instagram every day and I'm no Instagram wizard. Like I wish that I had your skills, Rachel. No one is. No one's Instagram wizard. Uh, you are. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but so I think those would probably be my first three hires and I don't know in what order. Okay. Now, what about like the sales aspect? Do you envision hiring like a sales team or like, I know a lot of the time I was actually just talking to, I should set you up with him. He's the founder of another, I would say it's also like a child targeted company as well. I mean, I, I love the product. But I also like have the palate of a five-year-old. So for me, it makes sense. <laughs> He hi- was telling me he hires like a sales team, like um, almost like a, it's like not an agency, but like almost that type of like relationship. And he pays yeah. them like a monthly retainer and then they get like a percentage of a cut of some of the sales, but it's like significantly cheaper than hiring like a sales rep in each key region. And they're like helping them get into all of the retailers and stuff, which I found pretty interesting in terms of like it's genius forever started that sales agency. Right. Um, and again, apologies, I'm like butchering the label of that, but like, that's so helpful instead of hiring, you know, these, a VP of sales makes like six figures. Like that's a decent chunk of change right. for someone right. who's, who's starting off to invest in, right. which I found that to be pretty interesting. So I bet you that for a lot of the different areas and departments for brands that definitely exists, like people that can like help you. So you can like minimize the amount of hires. Yeah. I would definitely be interested in getting. I'll find out. I'll find out. Remind me if I don't, and I'll, I'll let you know. Speaking actually like the finances and like, you know, you mentioned hiring your CFO. Have you done any fundraising yet or are you guys self-funded at this point? Up until in the process of raising a very small amount of money from friends and family. Oh, that's exciting though. Yeah. Up until this point has been self-funded, but trying to raise a little bit of money to support me being full-time and trying hopefully expanding more nationwide from being like a local regional brand to be a more nationwide brand. I mean, I don't know any brands that are like completely, completely self-funded. I mean, I maybe I, I know like one or two, yeah. but everyone at least starts with friends and family. 
for the first few years. And usually they'll do a few rounds of that. I actually managed the investor relations at my last job too. And they did all friends and family for the first thing. It's like five years or something. It's a long time because yeah. you know the more you grow, the more people want to invest in your brand too. Now, is your husband a lawyer? You mentioned you met him in law school. So do, what kind of law does he practice? He is a lawyer. We actually met before law school. We met at that consultant, the economic consulting firm that I was talking about. We worked together for a while before we started dating. We were really good friends. And he actually, funny story that was told at our wedding. <laughs> he knew, he says he knew he had a, he knew that I had a crush on him when to settle a debate about pizza. We were in Boston. I shipped him from Chicago, frozen deep dish pizzas from my favorite pizza place growing up. <laughs> oh my God. That's so nice. I thought so. Uh, apparently it worked because now we're married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, they showed up. I, I remember bringing them into his office because I think I shipped them to myself at the office. And then I walked them up to his office and I, I think like both of our faces turned red because it was this awkward moment of like, Oh, I just spent a lot of money to bring you these, yeah. pizzas. but we're, totally quote friends, right? Yeah, no. So we started dating when we were working there and then we both ended up going to law school together, which was convenient. He is a litigator. So he's the other, other half of the the legal world. So, uh, but he's, he's still practicing. Do you think you'd ever let him leave to help you with, with Evergreen? He's too good at what he does. I would hate for him to stop being a lawyer. He's so good at it and he loves it too. Like he, it was pretty clear to me early on. Like I said, like I woke up thinking about food, not thinking about what I was going to do that day at the big law firm. And I had a great experience at the big law firm. Like I had great mentors. I learned a ton. It's also really convenient to have that training when you're starting your own business, as I'm sure you can understand. Um, But like he wakes up excited about the law and what he's going to do that day. Amazing. Yeah. He works for an amazing firm. It's the perfect setup for him. So, so no, I would strongly encourage him never to leave because I, and he, he's really good at it too. So I would hope he continues. And so I, you don't hear of many people that work for quote, like the man and like actually wake up in the morning and truly, truly love what they do. So that's like nice then. No, I wouldn't. I always tell Jordan, I don't want him to work with me because I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket. Like, that if, too? <laughs> I'm like, what if God forbid, like this fails and then like, we have nothing and then we have no benefits and like, like you right. need to stick with your, like, with your job that you're at right now. I also feel like sometimes I would get a divorce if he worked with me because I would just eat him up and then spit him out because like, it's, you know, I'm not easy to work with, um, but that's okay. So let's talk more about the products and the waffles themselves. So what makes them stand out amongst the other waffles in the freezer section or even just waffles in general, even like, yeah. So, well, the first thing is the packaging. They are in, um, stand-up resealable bags. So they're not in your classic box, um, with the plastic sleeve inside. Um, and then like the next thing you'll notice you open them, they are not your classic circle waffles. They are little rectangles and they're, a little thicker. I think of them as like the texture is somewhere between a muffin and a waffle. I think. Yeah. Do you with that? Yes, absolutely. Because they're kind of cakey, which I, I love. Yeah, which I I'm all about like doughy things. But so they get crispy. Like the corners get crispy. The edges get crispy. Right. 
And like, they're easy for Ezra to eat too, which I love. Yeah. And like when my daughter eats them and she honestly eats them every morning, I microwave them for her like 15 seconds aside. And it's really, so it's nice and soft, which I think is easier for like the really little ones. But like many adults, like their edges crispy, like you said. So yeah, so as I put, I put his in the toaster oven. He's I literally have been feeding him like crackers since he was five months old. I was like sabotaging awesome. myself. No, he's not eating it. So I'm like, whatever, dude, you're fine. Even last night we were at my parents, just a quick funny story. We were at my parents for dinner. And Ezra, every time he's hungry, he goes din 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 din. And we're like, okay, but we're making dinner. Like we don't want to give him snacks. He won't eat dinner then. Yeah. And so I was giving him cucumber. Well, first my mom was, and she like peels the skin off, feeds <laughs> out. And I'm like, but I just don't talk because like, she's right. going to yell at me if I say something. And then he wanted more and she was like busy. So I gave him cucumber and I was like, oh, with the skin and the seeds. And I'm like, God forbid. I'm like, he's fine. I was like, he spits the seeds on the floor. I will pick them up, but I'm not like raising a prima donna. Like he right. the cucumber right. with seeds. I remember I didn't even know that watermelons had seeds in them until I was older because my mom would take all the seeds out of the watermelon. Um, <laughs> so anyways, now the waffles, the ingredients themselves, like that's something that like really, really draw, like drew me in because you can pronounce every single one of the ingredients. They're so pure. Like they're very simple. If I was making waffles from scratch, it's pretty much what you'd be using from home, which is something I always look into. So do you want to walk everyone kind of through what the ingredients are and why you chose those amongst, amongst other ones that common competitors may use? Yeah. I mean, if you think back to, like I was saying earlier, the whole inspiration for the brand was I wanted an alternative to give my own family and my own daughter. And so I wanted this, the ingredients to be just like the simplest, like you said, what I would make her every day if I had to. <laughs> and um, I figured like there've got to be other people out there too who care about feeding their kids, right? And also don't have the time. And so hopefully this will give them an option. So every flavor is made with whole grain flour, almonds, water. We use honey as the sweetener instead of refined sugar. And then baking soda and salt. And then the flavoring is some combination of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and spices. So again, like if I had the time in the morning, I might make her a plain waffle with some berries or some homemade jam. And I just don't, I don't have the time for that. So I was like, I'm going to throw in everything I want. I would otherwise want her to have into the waffle itself. So we have a zucchini carrot waffle that on top of the ingredients I already listed, it's a big favorite in this household too, is um, like, it is truly carrots, zucchinis, and cinnamon. We have a mixed berry almond flavor that has kind of dollops of this mixed berry jam that we make from scratch from just berries and honey. The peanut butter banana flavor, peanuts, bananas. Uh, the matcha chocolate chip flavor, matcha powder, cacao nibs. I, I, the original matcha chocolate chip flavor had chocolate chip, like real chocolate chips in them. But in trying to really narrow down my ingredients list, um, like chocolate chips typically have dairy, typically have milk, sugar, refined sugar, and soy lecithin. And so I figured, you know what, I'm just going to cut all those out and just go with cacao nibs. So that's it. The cacao nibs was such a smart move that you did though, because I mean, it's such a waste sometimes to put chocolate chips in a product. I think that like, there's certain things like me, chocolate chips. I understand that. But like for something like this, you just want that like hint of cacao and like a little something. And the cacao nibs, 
it's just my, actually my dad prefers cacao nibs and his homemade like waffles and pancakes for less sugar. So I think it's just, it's good for moms. Like they're going to feel better about giving that to their kid in the morning than, than anything else. What made you pick matcha? I'm like, so curious. Like why the matcha? Are you a huge matcha? I love, I love matcha. Yeah. I have never been a big coffee drinker. In fact, I pre waking up to like what I should actually be putting in my body. I drank monster was my caffeine of choice. I drink binge drink Diet Coke and Mountain Dew. So it's monster. It was like my morning drink. And then Diet Coke was like the rest of the day. Okay. So once I realized like, oh, maybe that's not what I should be putting in my body every day. I started looking for alternatives and I got really into matcha. I would make matcha lattes in law school and I would make my own almond milk and then make a latte from the almond milk and the matcha. And that was, and sometimes I would put um, chia seeds in it and like, let it sit for a while. And then they would get really kind of gummy and delicious was, that was like my morning drink in law school. Almost like a matcha chia pudding then in a way. Oh, a little bit. Yeah. 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 Um, it was, it was like a nice crunchy surprise when you, yeah. but then I, I'm trying to think when I really started drinking coffee, probably when I started practicing at the law firm, like the matcha wasn't really, <laughs> wasn't really cutting it in terms of caffeine. And so I started drinking coffee more, but I've still always loved matcha. We always have matcha in our cupboard. I will sometimes make like a matcha latte in the afternoon if I need a little pick me up. But that, so that was a personal favorite of mine. Okay. I was wondering that. I was like, that's so interesting. I'm personally, I don't do caffeine. Like yeah. I only, I, drink kombucha. I mean, I drink kombucha, which like has green tea in it. Um, yeah. but no, I've never had a cup of coffee. Never. No, I hate the taste of it. Like so much. I hate it so much. Once I was actually, this is like probably almost like could be almost 10 years ago when Jordan and I were like just dating and I was holding like my tea in one hand and his coffee in another hand, like in like a Starbucks like cup. And I took a sip of the coffee instead of the tea. And I was in J. Crew with him and I spit it everywhere, all over the floor. I was like, no, it's fine. It tasted so bad. And since then I will I just don't I appreciate the smell. Like my mom got me like my favorite coffee candle for Mother's Day. Like I, but I don't, I don't like the smell, the taste of it and matcha too. I, I'm not a green tea person. So like, to me, it's like really strong green tea. It's bitter. Yeah. Like I'm such a whack job that like, I don't need more caffeine. I need like Xanax. If that makes sense. <laughs> I, don't, I need like reishi. Like I need like herbs to calm me down. Um, but no, no caffeine. My mom says once I have more kids, I'll, I'll drink coffee. I'll, I'll find a way to I drink. I was going to say, you didn't even have caffeine like in the early Ezra days? No. Oh God, we were like mainlining cold brews in the early Riley days. I was so blacked out. Like I was so blacked out of that phase. That I don't <laughs> know how I stayed alive. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I'm not sure. And it's when I fell in love with bagels like all over again. So I just, bagels were like my go-to form of fuel, which obviously is not caffeine, but I think that was like, okay, I'll, this will fuel me for a little bit longer, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe one day my mom never had coffee till she had my younger brother. So we'll see. Now, what is coming up next product wise? Like, do you, are you kind of comfortable and like cozy where you are now? Or do you want to like prioritize these four flavors as you're growing or are you like innovating 
with whether that's with new flavors or new product lines, or do you have any other ideas that you're comfortable sharing? I can't share everything, um, but we do have a new flavor. Yay! It hasn't hit stores yet, but is like packaging is made. It's all ready to go. Yeah. Wait, so it's it, okay. right around the corner. I will send you some. I think you'll like them a lot. It's, okay. it's like a new flavor. I will work on the waffles more before thinking about other product lines. I will say that. That's smart. Yeah. A lot of time brands start with so many brands, uh, so many products, and it's like overwhelming in a way where I get there's so many parts of the grocery store that are, t- that should be disrupted and that need a facelift. But like, yeah. when they're, <clears throat> excuse me, when you're going full throttle with so many different things, it's confusing to consumers. Like sure. you almost want to be known for something for the first couple of years before there's like so many other things happening. And I want to do it. Like I want to do this one, one product, the best that we absolutely can and feel really proud and comfortable and good in that space before we, before we move on. Yeah. Now with your daughter, is she someone that you think you'd be comfortable highlighting more on your the evergreen Instagram and like her enjoying the waffles? Yeah. I posted a story of her yesterday, um, but I didn't label it as my daughter, but she was, because I literally, I wouldn't have made a product that like my family didn't enjoy every day. And so we, I mean, we literally eat it every day. Everything that I post in my Instagram with the exception of like what I'm reposting from other people that have posted and tagged us, that's yeah. literally my breakfast every day. So I eat them every day. My daughter eats them every day. Our like weekend go-to is we'll wake up, we have a dog. And so in between, she'll drink her milk in the morning and then in between milk and breakfast, we'll walk the dog and I'll hand her an evergreen waffle on the way out. And she'll just munch on it as we're walking around town. Um, I don't know whether we'll highlight her more. I have some people have told me they would like to see more of the family side because it is such a family brand. Mm-hmm. And like I barely even posted pictures of myself. And then I Googled you to see what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't even what know. What you look like. come up. Yeah, it was, no. It was at your last job. Oh. Um, it was a beautiful photo. Like I was like, wow, I wish that was a photo of me. <laughs> I Googled my name. So it's a good photo to have. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think there's like, I want to strike a balance between like, I want the, it, the brand to be about the food and yeah. the product, but I think it is also nice for people to see the human side too. So I'll, we'll sprinkle in a little bit here and there, Yeah, uh, but it won't be a ton of focus. Certainly my daughter, more on me, if anything, probably. Yeah. I always say it's cool to see a lot of the behind the scenes of the brands and like what they're doing and it just gives, it humanizes the brands in a way of like more than, than food. I know putting kids on social media is like definitely something not everyone is comfortable with. Like my mom hates that I put my son on, on Instagram. Really? Yeah. Does not like it. And you know, in the 18, no, oh my God, 19 months now that he's, that he's, I've been sharing with him. I've only received one message that was like annoying about it. So I that. Oh my God, I was so pissed. Like, I was like, who says that? Um, who says that? I know, I know. It, it was, that like really scared me. But then I also was just like, there's so many more people that I think that by sharing stories, sometimes it's helpful. But I know a lot of my friends are not comfortable sharing their kids. And I, I get it. It's just everyone's so different in how they handle it. But it's always nice to see, like, I think some type of like humanization. You know, when I'm showing things that Ezra loves, like those are some of the posts that perform the best. 
which yeah. is crazy because people like really want to know everything. Yeah. Um, which is so cool. The hand shot of him with your waffles was like a complete accident. Like oh. I didn't intend to have his hand in that photo. Yeah. I was photo. He was he had like a massive rainstorm here a couple weeks ago, and my son's nanny couldn't come because of the rain. There was like an advisory thing. Yeah. And I had a lot of content to shoot that day and I was like not happy. And I, so I'm like shooting this and he's running over and he's like, din, 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 din. <laughs> every, every time I make something, it's like, din, 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 all day. And he put his hand up and I caught it. And I was like, oh my God, that was actually the best timing ever, Ezra. Thank you. Yeah. I know. He's like pudgy little hand is like so much like cuter to look at than mine. Um, <laughs> what has been like the hardest thing for you in trying to like stay present and like balance motherhood with, with your daughter and even just being, being a wife and being your, with your family and and trying to grow your brand? I would say one that this brand, unlike my past jobs, like there are certain things that I actually need to be present for. So like you can do most of your work as a lawyer remotely and you're certainly never, at least in my job being in-house, I was never going into the office on the weekends. With a brand, like, you know, demo tables are really important. Demo tables on the weekends are going to have the best foot traffic. So you need to do demo tables on the weekend, at least in the in our past life when there were such things as demo <laughs> tables. But so when I was doing demo tables at some of the like, more local chains around here that Evergreen is in, you know, that's like a really big chunk of time away on the weekend. That's really special time typically for me and my husband and my daughter to be together. So that sucks, but it's necessary. And like my husband has been so supportive with every like crazy job leap that I've done. I graduated from law school and I remember thinking like, I never have to, I'm never going to interview for a job again. If everything goes as planned, I will never interview for a job again. This is amazing. And then I, you know, got this offer to go to the restaurant group. And he was like, Emily, if you don't take it, you're crazy. Like this is a once in a lifetime opportunity that is so perfect for you. If this is what you want deep down, like you take it. I decided to take it. And then when Evergreen came around again, he was like, Emily, I think this is something really special and you're really excited about it. And I think it has potential, like do it. And with the demo tables, he's always like, it's important for the brand. Do it. So I feel he's my number one cheerleader, number one supporter. I truly couldn't do it without him. I feel so lucky. I know it sounds from everything I've heard that Jordan is very similar with you. But it's also hard just like, I find myself, because I'm so passionate about it and so excited about it, like I think about it all day, every day, even on weekends when I don't have to be in, present at a demo table or at a manufacturing run, like it's hard for me to disengage sometimes, but that's kind of a nice problem to have. I think, um, to be in a career that you're so excited about that you want to think about it all the time. Like I haven't had, I haven't always had that. So I feel lucky. Yeah. It's like a catch 22 because I I want to be fully present with Azra and Jordan stuff on weekends. And I also just sometimes want to sit down and not do anything. Right. Like, you know, this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday during Ezra's nap time, I was working for the three hours. I'm working from the couch. Like life could be worse and I love what I do, but it's hard to be fully present in there. And, you know, sometimes I'm always jealous of that Jordan works for like a company or someone that like, he doesn't have to constantly be on and thinking, which is something 
it's like, you know, you don't have anyone else helping you yet. Like it's all on you. And that's a lot of pressure for, for anyone. Um, cause if you like miss something or you're not there, like I always, for me, like I have just like this sense of like FOMO, like, oh my God, I'm gonna like miss out on something. Like, this is a mark. Like I have to be, have to be on, but it's definitely, I think a constant struggle trying to, uh, figure out the happy medium. Well, yeah. I have, uh, five questions that I ask all my guests at the end of every episode. The first one is what is one health trend that you buy into? Like one wellnessy health trend you buy into? Um, I would say working mom these days, my jam is like anything that helps me maintain a healthy lifestyle efficiently. So I feel like there's such a, there's been such a boom of products, both like food products, but also technology related products that enable you to do that. For example, Peloton as a, I was an endurance athlete, as I said, as a swimmer. And so like forever in my life, it wasn't a workout if it wasn't at least an hour long. And that's a big chunk of your, I know it's crazy. It was a big chunk of your day. And particularly when you like, I have two hours in the afternoon when Riley is napping on weekends to do like everything I need to do for that day. And so it's just not possible to do that kind of workout anymore. But Peloton, like you jump on and off that bike. You can do like, honestly, a 15 minute workout is a really good workout. It's just so efficient. I love it. And like, I would say in that category, like instant pot just enables you. It, I mean, it just speeds up the cooking process by, I don't know, tenfold. It feels like, um, but it enables you to have like a healthy clean home cooked meal on a weeknight that otherwise would just not be attainable. And I would say I'm I'm certainly not comparing Evergreen to either of these two amazing products, but like that was the motivation behind it was to give busy families a way to be healthy but quickly and doable and always have it at your fingertips. No, literally it's minimal effort. That's why they're very just like those I mean obviously it's effort to like actually ride the bike but i get what you're saying it's just like easy things like that right. are like at your fingertips for moms yeah. and dads yeah. and that's they, all those things have been life-changing for me what is one wellnessy trend that like drives you crazy like a pet peeve so i get really sad when i read about diets that tell you you shouldn't eat fruit or that you should limit which fruits you should eat now Obviously, there are medical conditions where you shouldn't eat mm-hmm. the sugar content or whatnot. But putting that aside, I just feel like fruit is like such a blessing and a miracle in this world. It's literally nature's candy, so delicious. And it makes me sad and, and so good for you too, on top of that, packed with all sorts of different nutrients. And it makes me sad that people are being told that they shouldn't eat it. It's like that with almost anything. Like, I just don't like when anyone's preaching to like not eat something unless you're saying to not eat like heavily processed foods right. like oreos like leave people alone you know right. that's just what drives me crazy too um if you weren't on this career path i guess technically you've had a couple <laughs> but what would be your third ideal career path oh third that's so hard because i feel like i used up my two um honestly I would totally consider going back into the law at some point. I really liked it. I felt like it was very empowering to have that professional training. And it's like an area of expertise that very few relatively other people have. And it feels like it's a real value add to your clients or the corporation that you're working for. So 
I, that door will stay open, I think forever. Um, if I wasn't going to be a lawyer and I wasn't going to have a food brand, I think I have been really interested, gotten more and more interested in, in nutrition as part of this whole project. When I start to study something, I like to go really deep. And so I could see myself thinking about, uh, like being a registered dietitian someday, just so that like, you know, I have all the science in my back pocket when I'm creating these products. I tend to do that. Like I, I really like, I still really like wine. Um, but when I was still at the law firm on weekends, I started stud- studying to become a certified sommelier. Cause I kind of like, like, I like having all the information. Like if I, if I like something and I'm going to want to talk about it, I like to have all the background and the facts. I like to be informed, I guess. So. I like that though. That's a hard job to know every little ounce of detail about wine. I think that's one of the hardest jobs. It's insane. Yeah. I would not be able to do that. No, I got very, not very far at all um, before I got pregnant and had to, had to put that aside, but Maybe someday I'll pick that up again. Yeah, oh. that's cool though. It's a cool hobby. I wish I liked mine to like appreciate it more. I'm more just like, oh, this tastes good. And then Jordan's like, well, you should have it with this and eat it with it. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't. <laughs> when you were growing up, what was your go-to fast food chain and what was your order? Ooh, I know when I was really little, I went to McDonald's a fair amount, but I don't. In more recent memory like grade school, high school, it was St. Louis Bread Company, which then turned into Panera Bread Company. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was St. Louis originally. And it was one of those things when it changed the names, I was like, I'm never calling it Panera. And then two weeks later, it was Panera. <laughs> like, I know what St. Louis Bread Company is. <laughs> right. Panera. Um, broccoli cheddar and a bread bowl. 100% of the time. So good. I used to get their like M&M cookie, like the chocolate chip cookie oh. with M&Ms in it. It was my favorite. And this like, um, it was like a... Tr- chicken bacon and like an herbed mayo on like a basil bread oh my god it was delicious mm-hmm. i love panera. there's a panera in hoboken and i walk by it like every day and i'm like this looks delicious it like just mm, so good it is your last day on earth what are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day and i don't mean like a typical day like what's like your favorite like your ideal day of food i think about this question with an embarrassing amount of frequency <laughs> because I love food so much. And what's more fun to think about than your very favorite food? I think I have like five alternatives to answers, but I'll choose one because it's summer, like a a full day of farmer's market feast. So like every Saturday, my husband, my daughter, and I bike to our local farmer's market and go shop. We get all the stuff together and we have a picnic right outside it on the lawn. It's my my favorite day. So this is, I'm basically describing like a typical Saturday in our life. So excited. We have this like sea salt ciabatta that we chop, that we slice up and then put like a herb garlic cheese spread with fresh tomatoes, a drizzle of olive oil and like crunchy sea salt on top. And then some like berries and peaches on the side. Mm. That would be breakfast. Lunch um, would be using all the farmer's market stuff. I love making a big chopped salad. And actually, it's what I had for lunch today before we got on the Zoom. Um, but like, you know, farmer's market lettuces, I'll shave some corn off the cob, more cheese, like a hard cheese from the cheese stands, cucumbers, tomatoes, celery, 
some avocado from the store, not the farmer's market. And then I'll make, oh, and then I'll use that same bread and I'll make like um, some croutons, chop it up, throw it in the oven with olive oil and crunchy sea salt. That would be, oh, and then I'll make like a balsamic olive oil Dijon dressing. That would be lunch. Afternoon snack would be an enormous ice cream cone. Which is, so it depends on the day. If I'm really in the farmer's market mood, I would probably do strawberry just to keep in the like fresh summery theme. Mm-hmm. But like I often will have a ice cream cone for my afternoon snack, <laughs> but always in a cone. We, we, during um, quarantine, we've been ordering ice cream to our house and we order pints like delivery from our local yeah. place. We order pints, but also waffle cones because it's just always so much better when it's in the cone. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Waffle cones are just, so, they smell so good and then they like lure you in. They're delicious. Mm-hmm. Dinner uh, would probably, my husband is really good on the grill. And so, um, you know, take a lot of what we got from the farmer's market, like grilled corn, zucchini, onions. We do a fish share, which actually you would love. I will send you the information, but it's, um, they get fish from like small family fishermen in Alaska and the Pacific Northwest. And mm-hmm. so it's super high quality. It means the fishermen get 10 to 30% more mm-hmm. value from their harvest than they otherwise would. And the, I mean, the fish is amazing and we just get it shipped to our house on dry ice. So I would probably have them grill some fish with all the goodies from the farmer's market. And then I would say this doesn't really go with the farmer's market theme, but like a funfetti style cake, but like, you know, all the butter, sugar is probably my favorite food, like would probably be the last bite I would want on this earth. And so I would just have to throw it in there at the end. There's nothing better than having just like a classic piece of cake with like the perfect bite that has like some of the frosting and like towards like the top of the cake, like if it's a double layer cake, like the top part, ice, Mm -hmm. so good. Mm -hmm. Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. Can you just tell everyone where they could follow you and where they can order the delicious waffles and hear more from you? Yes. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Eat Evergreen. You can order online at shop.eatevergreen.com. And like I said, we ship nationwide on dry ice. And if there's ever an issue with a delay in delivery, just let me know and we will send you more waffles. No questions asked. Um, And if you are in the Midwest for now, you can get them at Whole Foods. If you're in Chicago, there are a couple smaller places that you can get them at. And those are listed on our website. And hopefully we will be in brick and mortar stores near you soon. Yay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much, Rachel.